When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the latest Tripe Supper. I'm Jonathan Taylor and I'm joined by Anthony Vickers. Our usual host, Dom Shaw, is... Um, he must still be running the Great North Run, is he? I think he's recovering in an ice bath after barging past Mo Farah. Oh, there. Fantastic achievement. 66 minutes, Dom ran the Great North Run, so I think he's probably due a week off, isn't yeah. he? He was 16th. That's not bad, is it? Oh, very good. Where would his armour Triore finish in the Great North Run, though? I mean, obviously after a fantastic weekend for Borough at Bolton, he is the talk of the town, and understandably so. It was a, an unbelievable performance from him personally, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, he actually... Showed signs of it in the Scunthorpe game where he he found end product. Mm. Um, we, we we spoke all for a year now about how great he was, how fast he was, uh, he, the speed of his feet as much as his physical pace, uh, upper body strength. You know, and it, I love watching him. You know, I'm upon my feet watching him mm. when he gets the ball, and I know he's really exciting. But but all last year we bemoaned the fact that there was no end product, and everyone said if only he could do that then we've got a player in our hands. Well, it looks to me like there are concrete signs that that has actually happened. Against Scunthorpe, uh, he, obviously he, it was the assist for uh, Fabio's header, but before that he'd already put two or three fantastic balls across the face of goal, uh, really inviting balls, and you just think if someone's in the box there to, to put them in, then, you know, jackpot. Uh, Asombolonga wasn't playing that night. Uh, at Bolton, what we saw was, I thought, not just the pace, but it was harnessed to mm. a discipline we haven't seen before. Uh, he wasn't trying to beat four men, you know, he was beating two and then passing the ball off. Uh, but when he did go on, the, on those two runs, it just showed so many of his attributes condensed into 30 seconds of, of incredible entertainment. The first goal, I thought, was just incredible. It, it looked like combination of British Bulldog and a rugby league the way he shrugged off the tackles and, and there were some heavy tackles as well there was a couple mm. of attempted fouls uh, I think at one point David Wheater had a half Nelson on him uh, but uh, and he even lost the ball twice but he bounced up so quickly to recover it and then you thought you know he's going down a cul-de-sac again but suddenly he, he cuts in he's in a very dangerous position and and the he put in a laser guided cross that was it was inch perfect it was the second goal I thought that I particularly enjoyed I mean you saw the slow motion where he has a look up he's not even in the box yet he has a look up and looks at where Asombolonga is realises hang on he's not up with me yet yeah. so then he slows down and then knocks it past the defender and across I thought that, that goal in particular showed a maturity that we haven't seen from him I thought. and it was more direct rather than going down the channels it was, he, he got on his moped and straight into the box uh, and uh, I, I think you're right, he did slow up to give Britain a, a chance to catch up with him, which shows an intelligence that, that perhaps wasn't there last year. Uh, and then he, he did a, a little stop and turn that made D- David Wheater look like an Easter Island statue before he, he crossed it perfectly on, onto Asombolonga's toes. If that could be harnessed and brought onto the pitch, even every other game, or he only has to do it once a game, and you have a potential game-changer there, because not only does it carve out incredible chances for Borough, but it terrifies the opposition, and they would have to change their, the way that they played. 
I thought it was really um, refreshing reading what Gary Monk had to say in the build up to the game where he was talking about you know he's had a fantastic attitude yeah, Monk claims he's, he's got unbelievable potential and we never really in my opinion anyway certainly last season when he was we'd just broken on the scene I think a lot of the attention in, in press conferences and, and the kind of the narrative coming out of the club was, was what he couldn't do rather than what he can do and I think that is a marked shift in that Monk is clearly very content and happy to talk up this guy's ability. And to me, he looks like a confidence player. He, you know, if your manager talks you up before a game, you're going to be more confident than if if you're reading. Yeah. Oh, he can't do this. He can't do that. I think I think Monk played played a blind really at the weekend in terms of talking him up and then obviously starting him. And he, and he repaid him, didn't he? I, I thought it was wonderful wonderful to see the celebrations because it was a collective celebration, and you could see that everybody was delighted for him and ironically even though Sombolonga had scored the goal it, it was actually uh, Adama that was in the middle of the huddle and everyone was congratulating him which is fair plays because you know what, what he'd done just done was incredible uh, what I find really interesting is that you know a fortnight ago uh, he was sat in the departure lounge and his agents were trying to trying to engineer a move to, to Lille uh, Obviously, the, the chairman stepped in and said, there's no way. He told the club, he told the player, he told, told the players and agents that he was staying at the club and that was it, so you better get your head down. Now, a lot of players at that point would have spat the dummy and they would have had a, a pet lip tripping them up in training, but clearly he hasn't reacted like that. And maybe, maybe just that sweeping away any uncertainty clarified exactly what his position was in the club. And you know, as you said, it might be a confidence player. You know, he could be the main man. Mm. And if the team is geared up to to getting the best out of his attributes, then then you you've got a major, you know, a weapons grained player on your hands. Uh, last season, it felt sometimes that Borough were trying to put him in in the hope that something would happen, but not with any real faith that it would. And there was always the question about his discipline and whether whether it would be a liability in terms of defending. Uh, but last season was a different ball game. Borough had, were under pressure for a lot of time. They rarely had the ball. When they did have the ball, it was you know, sometimes in positions of, uh, you know, they were well down the pitch because an opposition attack had just broken down. They weren't dominating games. Uh, maybe uh, at that point, Adama Traore hadn't had a chance to get his legs up to speed in a match and, and, and get his head in the groove but in this division I think Borough are going to have a lot more of the ball and they're going to dominate uh, possession I think and maybe that would make him a far far more effective player once the rest of the team get used to what he's going to do and, and and make it happen for him it's going to be interesting I think certainly the next kind of 7 to 10 days about Adama Traore because as ever, it, 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 yes, I understand where people say that it was against Bolton and it was a Bolton team that obviously are struggling and, and albeit as well, it was a 20-year-old de- debutant at left-back. I think Adama Traore has very much set the bar now. That's what he can do. We don't expect him to do that every game because if, if a player does that every game, then they end up you know, an absolute world superstar playing for Barcelona. But there is... We do want to see a, a lot more of that, don't we? I think that it's, if he plays at Aston Villa, back at his old club, or if he plays against QPR, he has now set himself up, hasn't he? He's got to now keep those standards, because anything less will be a major disappointment. Oh, yeah, and, and he also has to deal with the fact that 
opposition teams will will try and set up in a way that prevents that happening, whether that's kicking him early or double marking him or whether it's trying to keep the ball on the opposite side of the pitch. You know, but, but teams will try and counter that. And some weeks they'll be successful, uh, and some weeks it'll be very frustrating, and he won't see the ball. I think sometimes you've got to accept that as part and parcel of the game, and recognise that you know at the end of the day he's only 21. Uh, he hasn't played a lot of football over the last three or four years, and uh, it'd be nice to see him flourish here. And you know if he if he does realise he potentially could be a world superstar, as you said. Mm. You know, you, you could be looking at a twenty, thirty, forty million pound player, and it'd be nice to see him grow into that here in an effective way that gets Borough promoted. I know you described Triori's performance as you know a watershed one, uh, and I think actually if you look back at the, the Bolton game, you could even you know branch that out to Borough's performance because it was an afternoon where everything seemed to come together, all the loose ends. Gary Monk came across a formation that certainly looked instantly more balanced. 4 2 3 one's a system that we, we've seen at the Riverside for the last few years. And as soon as Adam Clayton and Grant Ledbetter came together in those two holding midfield players, it looked the entire rest of the team just slotted into, into shape. Yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's a shape that they played in pre-season. And it's a shape Gary Monk knows from Leeds. So, it, and and also, I mean, to be honest, it's been pretty much the default for the last couple of years in in most of the top teams across Europe. So it's not an unusual shape. Uh, it has a lot of big advantages. Uh, a lot of it revolves around on the two central midfielders. And and yes, we'll look at the shape and say that it was the three behind the the front man that made it effective at Bolton. But it, it's actually probably the, the key element is probably having the two central midfielders and notably pushing Adam Clayton forward because when they were playing with the 4-3-3 he was the central midfielder that dropped uh, often between the two centre-backs leaving the full-backs to push on so you only had one one man in the engine room for long spells and, and one of Borough's problems in the early matches is that uh, op- opposition midfields tended to if not swamp them, kind of get a foothold in that area quite lost the midfield battle, didn't and it made games. it hard for Borough to, to find a rhythm. I thought, and the, especially at a time when you haven't quite got the balance of the personnel right, by switching back to the two central midfielders, I think you've pushed Adam Clayton 10, 15, 20 yards further up the pitch, and his relationship with with Grant Ledbetter is uh, at this level. I think you know it'd be be hard to to better those two, and if you look at the the pass maps. Uh, from the weekend the ball going between those two was the most common ball of the afternoon uh, <coughs> yes a lot of those balls are only five yards ten yards but in recycling it like that effectively you're keeping possession uh, you're giving you know time for you, people to pick up moves and shapes further upfield and I think it, that's the platform for getting the best out of those players up front I think those two are absolutely right Hook Clayton and Led, uh, very much led the way for Borough uh, Bolton in that system, it's a system that, as, as we said, we, we, we've known a lot at the Riverside over the last few years, but I think there's still a, a familiar question comes up in that that system against the, the very best teams in the division and beyond, it hinges, I think, on, on that number 10 as well, as well as the two holding. And if, if you look back 
uh, who have played in the number 10 for Borough, um, certainly under Ito Karanka. I mean, you look at Lee Tomlin, you look at Heli Vossen, Fabrini came in, Downing tried it, Ramirez. And one thing that we found with all of them to differ in levels of success is that it's a difficult position to nail down consistently or to get a consistent performance from someone. In Lewis Baker, I thought he, he spent most of the afternoon on the periphery um, against Bolton, but that's still that that's the question if this is the system moving forward that's still a little question mark isn't it of who is best suited to play in there in that number 10 yeah. I mean the question I mean, obviously Lewis Baker was brought in to be a, the creative midfielder so you would think that he would he would be the one that's earmarked for number 10 uh, he was stuck out on wide against uh, Preston and didn't look comfortable and his early outings he only had cameos uh, maybe it's a question of giving him pitch time uh, I don't think he was he was overly impressive at Bolton. I don't think he was influential. I think he worked hard enough. Mm-hmm. He got some nice touches, but I, I don't think he commanded the game. Uh, the, the question for the manager is: Do you stick with him and give him a couple of games there to get him embedded in and you know get him used to it and get and, and uh, build the little relationships with all the players around him? Do you stick with that, or do you make a change and maybe? I mean, I know you're a big Patrick Bamford fan. And oh, always. I'm, I'm sure he could play that role quite effectively. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I, I thought that, that was the, the one surprising element of Borough's team sheet on Saturday was Patrick Bamford wasn't in it because I think in the two games that he, he's missed previously or certainly hasn't started in, um, obviously at Wolves on the opening day and then against Preston, they were the two games where Borough's attack, attacking front line were most... Looked a little bit pedestrian for me, or, or certainly didn't didn't kind of link up with the midfield. So I think Bamford could play there, but I agree. I think Baker has deserved um, his shot. I think it's still early. I think he's still getting getting to grips. But that how that kind of department um, goes long term. That's what I'm really intrigued about it because I, I think four two three one we saw that could be the system for Borough this year. You know, we, we've gone looked at a load of different systems, but it might always be. You know, history is the best the best kind of lesson that that was tried and tested under Granka, and a lot of these players kind of suit it. It'll be interesting whether Gary Monk goes four two three one at Aston Villa now, because obviously you've got seventy two hours between the games. Uh, you'd have to say on paper it's a much more difficult game for against the Villa side, albeit one that's struggling. Will he go four two three one? Will he go with exactly the same? Should he go with exactly the same? Do you think? I think he'd be very tempted. Uh, he has shown for most this season that you know we went, we went three games with an unchanged side, which I mean I can't remember the last time we did that. Certainly wouldn't have happened under Wright mm. or uh, wouldn't have happened under Tony Mowbray. So it's a long time since we've seen that kind of consistency. So the manager has demonstrated already that he is willing to stick with the side if he thinks it's done a job. So I, I think there must be a fair chance that they'll go to Villa like that I think there are options I mean you, you mentioned the possibility of putting Patrick Bamford in there equally uh, Stewie Downing looked uh, quite comfortable in that role when, mm-hmm. when there was a late rejig with substitutions and you could possibly say well maybe you could put Downing inside and then put Marvin Johnson on the wing because he, he looked quite impressive when he came off the bench he looked hungry he got pace he was willing to, to try and take a man on uh, I think against against Villa, the, the key thing, obviously, is they've got a, uh, what we politely say is an experienced defence. Mm. The gritty but glacial John Terry. 
and I'd love to see Adama Traore running well, running. I'm, it's funny you brought that up because I think all of the 1,100 Borough fans will be making their way to Villa Park on, on Tuesday night will be licking their lips at the sight of that it, you know, if, if indeed Traore starts we'll touch on Villa obviously they're you know, look, massive club um, fantastic Fantastic! I always love going to Villa. I think it's a real proper ground, a proper club. I'm really looking forward to the game. And as soon as the fixture list came out in the summer, actually, I, I looked at that this game in Villa away, and I thought that's going to be an interesting one to see how far Borough have come, see how Borough are under Gary Monk. And I do think it'll be a good barometer tomorrow because a lot of the uh, attention is going to be on the home side. They've obviously started very poorly, uh, you know, six points from six games. Ramley booed off at half-time and full-time against Brentford. So all the spotlight's going to be on Villa. This is an opportunity for Borough, this, isn't it? Well, of course it is, yeah. Uh, I mean, Villa have... Uh, I mean, you say they were booed off. I mean, they'll, they'll be so used to booing. That, I mean, they'll, be, they'll think booing is the norm in the way that the Queen thinks that the smell of fresh paint is the norm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, someone said to me they're in a bit of a sticky, spa- sticky spell at the minute. Well, they're not really. It's, it's four years of struggle for Aston Villa now. And the last two summers, they've thrown a lot of money at the team and it's made no difference. And sometimes when a, when a club is in uh, a slump like that, it gets into bad habits and people kind of accept defeat and get used to it almost. Uh, I think Borough have to go there and, and be absolutely ruthless, uh, get their crowd booing, preferably long before half-time, uh, and take the game to them because they will, they will be uh, insecure, they will be feeling, you know, mentally fragile, uh, if a goal goes in, you can see it being a case of everyone's head going down mm-hmm. and saying, oh, "Here we go again." And it's a time, you know, it's a it's a chance for Borough to go there uh, and get back on track. I mean, a win at Villa would pro- probably put Borough back on the or even ahead of the curve. The, I would the, say. the curve that yeah. they need for promotion, but also I think it'll settle a lot of nerves at our at our end as well because uh, having not won away for a long time. Going to Bolton would, was was an important uh, psychological uh, uh, marker, uh, but it could be seen as a freak because it's only Bolton. If you go away sort of four days later and win again and do it convincingly on the road, I think people will start to think, you know, maybe maybe there is something there this season. Yeah, I think Villa obviously uh, Steve Bruce goes into the game under immense amount of pressure, and he always seems under pressure to be honest. Obviously, he's a promotion specialist in this division, but and and he was quick to stress that. Yes, Villa haven't been picking up the wins, but four of the six games they have drawn. So, I mean, if a team isn't firing on all cylinders and are still picking up points and picking up draws, you know, they, they are a team also that, that can't be taken too lightly. I know a lot was made about John Terry um, and his kind of the fanfare that followed his arrival, but I do think they've brought in some decent players. You look at the likes of El Mohamedy, who I remember I've seen a couple of afternoons where he's torn Borough to pieces. El Mohamedy, you know, the people like Glenn Whelan from Stoke. They've got people like Scott Hogan from Brentford. Obviously, Robert Snodgrass, who we know very well. Albert Adomer, who we know very well. So they're not also not a team to take lightly. But I think I was speaking to a colleague who works in Birmingham about what how Borough would, uh, how Villa, sorry, would approach the game on Tuesday night, and he said he expects them. To to start off very cautiously, he said they'd respect Borough and they won't want to concede that first goal. Now this season, I think something that I've noticed about Borough is they haven't tended to fly out the traps too often. But that is the opportunity, isn't it? First ten minutes, it yeah. is going to be nervous. So. And uh, Adama will be still buzzing, I would have thought. So give him a couple of runs early doors to see exactly what their defence is like. 
Uh, and, and to be fair, there's a lot of pace along the front line of Borough now. I mean, Brit's no slouch himself. Uh, so there is movement there. And it'd be, it'd be an interesting test, I think, to see, let's see if we can get the likes of John Terry. Uh, I mean, I can see Triori running at him and him <laughs> lunging out. Early, early, early yellow card, right? First booking? I was thinking penalty, but there you go. <laughs> well, yeah, we'd all take that. I, I do think it's going to be a very... Um, different game to Bolton yeah, I think it's going to be much more tighter but I think it's one that I think it speaks volumes of what could, you know, what a difference two weeks can make because I remember after the Preston game that you know Teesside was a little bit deflated after that a bit yeah. frustrated but that performance on Saturday the more you think about it it could be a real watershed moment in this season where everything is just fit into place it, it felt like the balance was right it felt like a few things clicked into place up front it felt like the midfield had been restored after having a bit of an identity crisis while they felt their way into a new shape. And it, it felt like they'd finally discovered the player inside Adama Traore. So there's lots of very, very good positives there. Uh, it, it's making that happen on a regular basis. That's the key to this division. It's consistency. Uh, you know, you get another couple of wins under your belt and suddenly you've got a bit of momentum, self-belief... And then other teams start adjusting to how, how to deal with you as a problem, uh, which is a good place to be if you're setting the agenda. I think there's a, it's already a very intriguing match, I think. But I think, obviously, having a few subplots in there only you know, heightens that excitement. I think on, on either side, you're going to have players against their old teams. Yeah. You've got people like Stuart Downing and going back to Villa Park. We've mentioned Adama Traore. Richie Delat, you know, obviously, oh, it was on loan. He could be playing in. We will finish on Albert Adoma because he's someone who still is very well, you know, very well thought of up here. <coughs> Um, and obviously, I know you've done a, a bit on the Gazette website, Vic. Um, the comparison between Adama Traore and Albert Adoma, because many felt that Borough didn't quite replace Adoma in the Premier League last year. Was it a mistake letting him go? I mean, it'll be good to see him again, won't it? Well, yeah, I mean, he's a very likeable bloke, uh, fans' favourite wherever he's been. He's plays with a smile on his face. Uh, he's an entertainer, you know, a, a good person to have in, in your mix. Uh, at the end of the day, he. He didn't want to stay. He wouldn't. He didn't accept the the contract that had been offered him. So, uh, you know, he he moved on. And I don't have a problem with that. That's football. Yes, probably he wasn't replaced. Uh, there was the Triori came in, but you could argue that they already needed one as it was. So there were one short in that department, and and that came back to bite us on the bum last year. Uh, had Triori kicked in straight away, it wouldn't have been an issue. But the fact that we spent the entire season being frustrated by this enigmatic player that that showed flashes of genius but couldn't do it consistently. Uh, and then, then you're saying, well, on the wing you've got someone that's inconsistent, uh, ill-disciplined, uh, a liability when you're defending. And then, you know, you rewind three years to when Albert Doma first arrived and people were saying exactly the same mm. thing then. Mm. Part of that's to do with the DNA of wingers. Wingers are not consistent. But when, when Adoma came here, he was a, a, a cavalier, uh, a free spirit almost. And he was given his head that first season. Under Mogger, he was, he was pretty much given a free role. And, and under Itor Karanka, he was reined in a bit. And I, I think Itor Karanka's fairly strict professionalism and, and uh, uh, his regime, his philosophy and, and methodology made Albert Adoma a better player. I think it was the biggest transformation yeah. of a player, I think, and he, in a positive sense he, as well. He, he started to understand the team's shape, the team discipline. He turned out to be 
a half decent defender. He would track all the way back and put tackles in. Uh, he wasn't scoring as many goals. But you have to ask whether an individual's goal tally is more important than the, the, the team result. Uh, and in that two years when he was transformed into a more complete team player, Borough got to the playoffs one year and got promoted the next. Yeah, I, I find it absolutely baffling. I mean, that he's not actually in the Aston Villa squad at the minute. He wasn't even in the 18 against Brentford. I don't watch much Aston Villa, admittedly. But I think that at Borough... I think you're absolutely right. I think Aitor Karanka, what he did with him was one of the, the greatest masterstrokes that he, d- he did at the Riverside. He transformed him into arguably the best winger in the championship, certainly in, in yeah. 2015-16. There's a, lot, there's a lot to be said and written about the, the relationship between uh, Aitor and Albert. It's a book, isn't it? Uh, not just the, the fact that he transformed him as a player, but there's a lot of things, that, you know, a lot of the commonplaces that, that people say about Aitor Karanka. Uh, um, fall down when you look at at Albert Adoma Albert Adoma was on the naughty step at least three times and there's this thing went out that once you cross Itor that's it you're you're out whereas in fact with Albert Adoma we saw that not only could you come back but you could come back stronger and be an integral part of the team providing you accepted that you know what you'd done was wrong and there was a way forward and it was the manager's way forward uh, he came back having put in a transfer request, uh, and there was a you know quite a tense standoff for a couple of weeks there, and it looked like he'd burnt his bridges, and he came back to to be a fantastic player for the rest of that season, and I think there's quite a lot of photographs after that of, of Itor and, and and Albert hugging. Yeah, the gushing hug against Brentford, wasn't it? Even though they're supposed to be deadly enemies, and you never cross Itor, but you know, uh, I, I think there is a. Uh, an object, object lesson in Albert Adam, uh, his time at Middlesbrough, in that good coaching and good management can vastly improve a player uh, within that setup. Yeah. Maybe he's gone to a different club with a different setup and he slipped back into to bad old habits and become an individual. I don't know enough about how his, his position is at Villa. Uh, all I know is that you know he'll always be popular here. I think he was a brilliant player for us. Uh, he played an important role in both those those fantastic seasons, which hugely enjoyable. Uh, and he moved on, and I've got no regrets, no bad feelings about it. And and hopefully we'll see him after the match tomorrow. And I think I'll forever remember the the day at Yeovil where he was dancing with the uh, what was it? It was like a, a Yeovil Town uh, dancing cheerleaders. band, cheerleaders band or something, wasn't it? Anyway, good times. Uh, safe journey to all the Borough fans who are travelling down to Villa Park for the first of uh, two midweek specials at, at Villa Park. Uh, fingers crossed, Adama Traore and versus John Terry. Um, looking forward to that. And uh, fingers crossed, another three points. Thanks ever so much for listening.